0: Bruce Newberry. The Food Dude. We're talking with Shane Rogers from Rooted in Vermont. Shane, nice to have you with us.
1: It is nice to be with you. Thank you for having us on.
0: Great, great pleasure. Rooted in Vermont is a movement. It's a a way of life. And uh, it is great to be rooted in Vermont. Uh, There are so many food stories. I mean, there is virtually no food that you can look at, pick up, eat, enjoy, prepare, cook, order in a restaurant that doesn't have a story in it. Is that a fair statement, Shane?
1: I think that is an extremely fair statement. And especially here in Vermont, I think that just about everybody knows someone who is either growing food themselves in their backyard or is making a career out of uh, producing wonderful and delicious food here.
0: Right. And in some cases, that's really how it happened. Someone started growing in their backyard or making something wonderful from something that they got from a neighbor, whether it's eggs or cheese or maple or blueberries or what have you, and finding out that, hey, this is a way of life and I can make a living at this.
1: Absolutely. And one of the big things that we like to do here at Rooted in Vermont is to really make sure that those humble roots are being told to anybody and everybody. And we're really inviting everybody into this local food movement because sometimes, you know, it can seem a little inaccessible, right? But the fact is um, here in Vermont and even across New England and the country that It's not only just $15 hamburgers and really expensive beer. It is the eggs that your neighbor collects in their backyard. It's the garden that you grow. It's the food that you swap from hunting and foraging. And Mm -hmm. it's the local food that you're picking up in your grocery store. And what we're really trying to do is celebrate how everybody does local because we know that there are a million different ways that you can get involved with this local food movement. And just because you're not doing it all, um, and you're not buying all your food locally. Uh, there's no reason for you to not feel like it's involved. And plus, if you were buying all your food locally here in Vermont, you would probably get scurvy from not having any greens or anything <laughs> during the winter and only eating root vegetables.
0: Right, right. And we uh, we haven't quite figured out that coffee thing, but we're working on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Avocados, the yeah, whole, right. All, all of the really good things as well. <laughs>
0: It's true. But uh, short of that, though, let me ask you you know, you talk about the $15 hamburger and the really expensive beer, but then, as you point out, there is the simple, simple life. I mean, you have some recipe videos and some how to videos with some very tasty looking fish that came out of. Uh, where, where did that fish come out of uh, the, that video that I saw?
1: Came out of one of the rivers here in Vermont. And that is exactly it. You know, Vermonters for generations have been pulling fish out of the river. They've been raising animals in their backyard. And what Rooted in Vermont is really trying to do is make that connection and to really amplify what that means. Because like you said, uh, there's not, it doesn't have to be expensive hamburgers or expensive beer. There are so many different ways to enjoy a meal with your family, friends, and neighbors. And there are so many places working really, really hard to make sure that local food is accessible for anybody and everybody. And hunting and fishing is a great example of that because that is a tradition that goes back generations. And to be honest, nothing really pairs better than with a wild caught trout than some farm fresh veggies as well on the side.
0: There you go. You've got it exactly right, Shane Rogers. It's uh, it's so true. So. Have we gotten away from the simple? Hey, I caught a trout out of Lake Dunmore, or I caught a, or I, uh, I, I, picked some eggs from, you know, my as you say, my grandmother's uh, chicken coop, or what have you. Have we somehow gotten disconnected from that? And ended up in this. Hey, Vermont food is really great, and it's really expensive. And where, when did the disconnect happen?
1: It's a great question. I think that there's a misconception at times that local food is more expensive. Uh, and I'm not saying that there aren't price differences, but you know, when you're getting tomatoes from the farm down the road, you know, whether that—I mean, for me. Um, Three Chimney Farm in Charlotte is Mm -hmm. where we get our CSA. Uh, Those tomatoes are going to be cheaper and way more delicious than the tomatoes that you're picking up in the supermarket that were shipped here from California or anywhere else across the country. So a lot of what we're trying to do is just provide not that education, but just to Get back to making that connection with it. You know, we've come to rely on um, our grocery stores for all our sustenance. And with that, while it's convenient, also ends up inconveniencing some of our local producers because they're not able to get into it and that's also part of the work of what rooted in vermont and the vermont farm to plate network are doing are making sure that local food is accessible because if folks are shopping at the grocery store we want them to still be able to have that option and to see when you are putting those tomatoes side by side uh that they actually do come out to the same price point you know in the middle of august when when tomatoes are popping off the
0: sure sure now you raise a good point about the supermarkets the thing with the supermarkets and the the point that i'd love to to hear you address is how does the farmer from from a three chimney or even a smaller place than that get into the supply chain that ends up at that supermarket out you know in the strip mall on the highway uh as opposed to the grocery store that's going to be in the middle of the village that everybody knows, oh, they have just the, the the freshest eggs and cheese from so-and-so's farm. And it's not like the supermarket that has the package stuff. But how is that farmer who makes that cheese, how is that farmer that grows that tomato, how can that farmer get into the supply chain into the big supermarket or is it, are we talking really two separate uh, supply uh, uh, conduits here that never the twain shall meet it's a complicated question isn't it
1: yeah it is a complicated question and there are many smart people much smarter than me that are working really hard to address this because As you said, there is a reality. We don't see a lot of local food in our larger supermarket chains. And, you know, I think it's uh, important to note that our independent grocers, at least here in Vermont, and I I imagine as well throughout New England, are doing a really good job at making those personal connections with our smaller producers, providing them with the production lines and I'm sorry, the distribution lines to be able to get their produce on the shelf. But what it comes down to, I think, for the larger grocery stores is consumer demand. And that's part of the reason why we set up Rooted in Vermont, was to really create this movement and create this virality and demand around local food here in the state. And to begin having that demand given to those larger grocery stores, because as They are working to stock their shelves. You know, they are at the whims and fancies of what the consumers are picking up. And if we all stand up and say that we want more local food, they're going to be putting in the effort to make sure that those smaller producers who didn't fit into their idea of what the distribution chain looks like will fit in. And it's really just stepping up and making sure that that is a priority as shoppers. You know, they say... We vote with our dollars, and uh, the reality is that is true. But we also can have a lot of say just by speaking up to the general manager. and uh, sure, the places that we frequent,
0: we can, and that sounds great, Shane. But if you were to give me an example of a great boutique, and I use that word just because I don't know another word to use, but a boutique cheesemaker or a boutique uh, jelly maker, or even a beef producer think of a, a great one right now and and name it
1: I think that's a great i i my first my first one goes to barn first creamery which is up in the northeast kingdom yeah. and they're doing delicious uh goat cheeses oh. uh, and if you haven't had a chance to try some I would highly recommend it
0: okay where can I get
1: it <laughs> yeah I think that's i that's the question right and the co-ops here in Vermont are doing a really good job. Yes, but again, I stress that they're making a commitment to bring that food into their stores. They have those personal relationships with those producers and the regional supply chain that these producers are able to plug into, like Barn First Creamery or um, I believe it's the Smiley like preservative. Mm-hmm. As they are able to plug into those regional distribution chains, and the consumers are demanding that food is there, that's how we're going to get it onto the shelf. Because the fact is, not everyone's going to be able to drive up to the Northeast Kingdom right, right. and pick up some barn first <laughs> creamery cheese, even though it's it's absolutely delicious. So, um, again, it's it is super complicated, and I think for a long time the background has kind of been shrouded in secrecy right like it's hard to imagine how all that food gets there and like I said there's people that are a lot smarter than me that are working really hard to make sure that these smaller producers don't have to go through this blindly and Mm -hmm. they can plug in when and where they need to um, to be able to get on the shelves and to get in front of consumers as well.
0: Well, I mean, and it's all good because the more that we can, the more that we can know, what it is we're eating maybe we know who it is that made the food produced the food that we're eating and we're just going to be so much better off we're going to have less supply trouble in the long run we're going to have a lot more a lot better quality and we're just going to be helping out people that we can see but you know way back When we first started our conversation here, Shane, you know, we, I I tossed out that kind of old, uh, well, it's kind of an old tale that, oh, well, you know, those tomatoes are going to be much more expensive because they came from the farm in Charlotte, you know? And it's, the perception is, is that, but that's something that we have to educate ourselves on as well, because whoever grew that tomato deserves to get paid a fair price for that tomato.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a that's a huge barrier, especially when it comes to things like meat production. Yes. It is a huge barrier to a lot of people's access around it. It's just understanding what the true cost of food is. And that isn't to blame the consumer and that isn't to blame anybody else, but it's just something that we haven't had to confront. And like you said, Bruce, there's a there's not a novelty to eating local food, but like it is undeniably more delicious yes. when you know who grew um, <laughs> or raised the food that is on your plate. Um, you know, like even when it's coming from friends uh, we have chickens in our fridge right now or our freezer right now that were are raised by friends um, who live um, a couple hours away. And every time we eat one of them uh, we're not only just reminded of that friendship, but it just tastes better. So good. And, yeah, it's like, it's it's really driving that connection um, to the food. And that's part of why Rooted in Vermont here is to just really celebrate that. Because part of what we want to do around local food is just to make sure people see it as their own thing. And it's not something that someone else is doing or something that they can't access. It is something for everybody, no matter how you do it. Now more and more stores, especially those independent grocers and our co-ops, are really seeing the value in what local food can bring to the community. I mean, in 2010, for instance, about $114 million of the food that was bought in the state of Vermont was from local sources. And we saw that jump by 2017 to $310 million of all the Wow! So people are getting on board and they're getting involved and they're seeing the, Benefit and the utility to it, um, but that doesn't mean we can stop, right? This is a, this is a movement for a reason, and sure, uh, you had mentioned how the localized supply chains will be a benefit, and especially as you know, climate change is starting to affect weather patterns, the more. Localized distribution that we have, the better off that we're going to be. And I think we saw some of that with the pandemic too. You know, when store shelves were empty. Yes. But our local farmers were stepping up left and right to feed their communities because guess what? They were right there and they knew what they knew what the needs of their neighbors were. So there's just there's a ton there's a ton that goes into the the local food movement and there's a lot of benefit there um, as more and more people are invited in to join
0: and i mean it just has to be an ever-increasing circle because we the more that we have the more we want because we know how much better it is so it's becoming it's becoming we want more are there other types of foods that we're demanding be produced in vermont things that perhaps were never thought of before are you finding that as the movement kind of matures a little bit shane
1: i have never ceased to be amazed at the different things that come out of Vermont. <laughs> I was talking to a coworker the other day and uh there's this tiny it's uh, albeit tiny, but um stocked trout business yeah, in Vermont huh? where they're raising stocked trout. And I just like I could not imagine that ever existing in the state. But lo and behold there's someone there doing it and providing uh food for people's backyard.
0: It's amazing. Um
1: Yeah, and I mean, of course, everybody has their traditional veggies and the meat and the dairy, but we're seeing, we were talking about someone producing marshmallows, and (laughs) I think, like... I think as more people realize the benefit of it, the more they want to be involved with local food, and that and that includes the producers as well, who For are sure. who are finding those niches and really really stepping into them to to <laughs> fill the desires that perhaps we didn't even know we had.
0: I know you can grow anything in Vermont. I had no idea you could grow marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, the the marshmallow tree, right? That's you just it. Go pluck them right <laughs> off. The, it's right next they, to the money tree, Shane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> (laughs) that's excellent well uh tell us how we can stay up to date and uh find that we're going in the right direction and eating local farm to plate farm to table the
1: best way to plug in is through social media and facebook and on instagram and also at rootedinvermont.org and i know you had mentioned you know you love sharing uh the different farms and the different places that are all around the state and what we do on our social media and on our website is really just highlight all the amazing food and efforts that are taking place here in the state. So I would highly recommend that folks jump in on that. Great. Um, and then also visit vtfarmtoplate.com. Uh, there's an atlas there. You can find farms whether you're you're visiting after COVID is done, um, hopefully soon, um, yes. or you're here in the state of Vermont. You can find a lot of the different farms and ways to access that local food. Um, on that website.
0: Fantastic. Uh, VTFarmToPlate.com and Shane Rogers, it is uh, great to talk to you and great to talk about all of this wonderful food that is uh, within our reach here in Vermont because we're rooted in Vermont. Thank you very, very much.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to chat about local food. The food dude.
0: Well, we've got a sizzling grill here and yours will be sizzling before long and your broadcast bistro and I hope that somewhere in that cookout this weekend you're going to include some gas bars because nothing says good times like gas bars, and churis sizzling hot on your grill. It's summertime because the Gaspar family knows how to make these amazing sausages seasoned just right, made with lean cuts of quality meats. Has been since 1923 in southern New England. So simple, just slice Gaspar's bars, or churis in half lengthwise, get them going on a good hot grill, serve on a great roll Bowl. There's Gaspar's linguica. It's hearty. Gaspar's chorizos. It's hot. Linguica dogs, chorizos dogs, Andouille sausage, turkey linguica, kilbasa. Build a whole cookout around Gaspar's, and so many families do. And don't even think of having a clam bake or clam boil without Gaspar's. The Portuguese sausage that the whole world can enjoy. Bruce Newberry, the food dude. How about granola? Where do you grow granola? What is granola? Anyway, we love granola, and we especially love sacred cow granola. And so it's always a pleasure to talk granola with my dear friend, Maureen Maloney. The Holy Granola Experience. There's no other way to say it. Hi, Maureen. Hey,
2: Bruce. How you
0: doing? I am good. So good to talk to you, and so great to talk about sacred cow granola. Who doesn't like granola, Who, who and who who doesn't like granola would not love sacred Cow?
2: that's true it is the best
0: <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk at let's talk about the second name first granola when we talk about yeah. granola what is it that we mean what is it that we're talking about
2: you know we tried to find the origin of the name granola we really couldn't find a, a true definition but probably comes from grains being mixed together and most people think of it as a cereal but we we almost hate to call it granola because it is so much more. Our granola is so much more than a cereal. You know, it's a snack. It's a topping. It's,
0: it's an it's ingredient. very
2: versatile. It's it an ingredient. Very, right? very
0: versatile. And it's mm-hmm. filled with so many good things. Tell us what mm. goes into Sacred Cow Granola.
2: Oh, it's full of superfoods. Um, we start with... Uh, organic maple syrup, organic oats. These are some items are from New England. So the oats are from Maine and the maple syrup is either from Rhode Island or Vermont organic. The cranberries are from Massachusetts, of course. And um, we add in three kinds of nuts, three kinds of seeds, toasted coconut, exotic crystallized ginger. It gives it a little snap. Yes. And yeah, And it got its name from some of the spices we use. We have a secret spice mix, and we use some Indian spices in there. And that's how it got its name, the sacred cow, the holy granola experience.
0: Yes. Plus (laughs) the fact that it was developed with Monroe Dairy.
2: Right. That's the, yeah, the common thread. There it is. Yeah.
0: But it it does have such a good flavor and there are so many wonderful things in there. Like you say, there's flaxseed in there and there are wonderful essentials that you'll find will make you the better for having it and enjoying it. And it Mm. is delicious to have as a cereal with some great local milk. And uh, (laughs) you get a little chai thing going in the bowl with the milk and the spice, like the cardamom and things. And it really makes it just so so interesting before you even stick a spoon in there.
2: It's true. It really uh, creates that experience that we talk about. Yeah.
0: Right. It, but it's so much more than that. Now, we uh, y- you hit it exactly right. It's a snack. It's a topping. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. what is it that is it is especially good to top, to use a sacred cow granola to top what?
2: Well, you know, a lot of people use it traditionally in uh, parfaits or fruit toppings. But yes. we found, we have been experimenting and... We came up with a spinach salad, a sacred cow granola spinach salad. Mm. Yeah, so we start with a base of either spring greens or baby spinach, yeah, which is so easy to get this time of year, and add your typical sliced onions, perhaps a little feta cheese. Um, little, some people use a little chopped hard-boiled egg and bacon crumbles if they like that, but uh, we found as a Instead of a crouton, if you sprinkle the granola on top, it just brings out all the flavors, the, the tartness of the cheese, and it, it just blends well with the spinach. And nobody would ever think of putting this on top of a salad, I right? I
0: know. This is so interesting. What kind of a dressing is best?
2: I just use a simple honey balsamic vinaigrette.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, Delicious. Yeah. Yeah yeah well that's so. a great idea i'm gonna have to <laughs> add that to the yeah, repertoire there maureen that is a it wonderful is. summer suggestion
2: <laughs> thanks it's like adding superfoods to a superfood already that's, that's right is so healthy
0: but, that's right so let me ask you yeah. a, little, a little care and feeding question right. now as we know sacred cow mm-hmm. granola can come in the traditional mason jar and that's how we're used to mm-hmm. seeing it right we want to make sure that we get all of the goodness out of that uh, out of that mason jar so <laughs> is it a good idea to kind of turn that upside down before you use it and kind of make sure everything's kind of mixed up
2: oh definitely the um some of the little grains fall to the bottom yes and uh yeah you want to shake that up shake it good Some people like the huge trunk. Some people like to break it down a little bit more. It depends on how you're eating it, you know. But we try to keep it big and chunky uh, so that people can do what they want with it.
0: Right. And you can always break those up and you can use it as an ingredient. Some people do put it into some of their creations, cookies and things like that.
2: I did not mention, but we have uh, a sacred cow ice cream coming out.
0: Oh, (laughs)
2: yeah i forgot to tell you that we have sacred cow ice cream made with bourbon vanilla ice cream Ooh, and it's coming out right now we're we just sampled one of the first batches and it's really yummy fantastic well well and ice cream
0: too (laughs) well all right who is now uh, who's who's helping you with that because we always have some great partnerships going on
2: yes we uh uh it's a monroe dairy ice cream Great. Uh, made with their cream, right? And um, yeah, we're having it co-packed right in Warwick right now uh, until we can make it here ourselves.
0: Excellent. And when can yeah. we see it? When can we start to see it?
2: Uh, we hope it will be available very soon, probably even next week.
0: In July? So, Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So this is some breaking food right. news here, Maureen Mahoney. Right. We've yes. got Sacred Cow. <laughs> Ice cream, fantastic, mm-hmm. with the right? great sacred cow granola and bourbon vanilla ice cream. Oh, my.
2: Mm, the real deal, yeah.
0: Yes, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> well, what else can we tell about sacred cow granola?
2: Well, uh, I'm, I'm working on a nut-free version, Bruce. So for people who can't eat nuts or don't want to eat nuts, mm. I'm trying to keep the same flavor, integrity, and crunch and I've incorporated a few more seeds, uh, some sunflower seeds, and I've added more of the pepita that we have in our original. And uh, that is available now. And
0: Now, what are the nuts that are in there now? There's no peanut in there.
2: No, no peanuts. So we're peanut free no matter what. Right. Um, we use walnuts, pecans, and almonds right now. Right. And coconut is considered a tree nut allergens. Oh, so, that's right um, yeah so we can make it without that and we don't have that on the shelves yet in the stores I'm, I'm letting people know that we have it and we make it and a lot of the schools are interested in it and
0: I'm uh, sure you know
2: so um, but if kids you know if they want to parents want a nut-free snack we've got that available so
0: terrific and, and terrific of course we want to know where we can get sacred cow granola <laughs>
2: Oh, my gosh. Um, We're in so many local markets. As you know, Dave's Marketplace, uh, all of the farm markets around that open up over the summer, which are wonderful customers for us. And it creates a great experience for shoppers that get to pick it up there. And places that are uh, cropping up, like the home delivery, CSA, produce, farmers, uh, the people that are delivering vegetables to your home are now doing some add-on things of local artisanal products and a lot of them have reached out to us and added us to their offerings.
0: Fantastic and you can always order direct and find out so much more at the website and what's the website?
2: The website is sacredcowgranola.com
0: Getting it done with (laughs) sacred cow granola, just uh, wonderful things going on and so exciting. We have to check back with you more often. I'd like that. That would be wonderful. Thanks very, very much as always. Take good care.
2: Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate it.
0: Bruce Newberry. The Food Dude.